Hello and welcome to the ACA Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting. If you would like to attend this meeting live, go to adultchildren.org and click on Online Meetings and then scroll down to find Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. I'm happy to introduce tonight's speaker, Tara from Bailey, Colorado. Hello, my name is Tara and I am an adult child. I am here today to share my experience, strength, and hope. This is my story. I never thought of myself as anything but normal, or at least the normal I perceived. I was good at wearing a mask, at pretending that the life I knew was the life I deserved. From a young age, I found myself surrounded by constant chaos the chaos of moving, the chaos of arguments, the chaos of addiction. It swirled as far back into the family tree as I dare to know. It was within a household of addiction and dysfunction that I tried to find my place. My biological father left before my second birthday. Though he remained in my life, I would see little of him over the years. My mom married someone new the one I would call my dad. Five younger siblings came, all half and step siblings. And I, as the oldest, did my best to hold on to control, to hold the family together. It didn't work. My parents would fight and break up. We'd move to a new place and struggle to make new friends. Within a couple of years, they'd somehow get back together and we'd move again. This cycle repeated itself several times throughout my life. I would often bring my siblings into my bedroom to sleep on the nights when the fighting was out of control. Tiny hands holding mine as we piled together in a vain attempt at sleeping over the screams. It felt like I had to be the parent to my siblings because my own parents wouldn't be, couldn't be. As they were marred too far deep into the disease and their own selfishness. The only person who appeared to be on my side at times was my mother. And because of this, I clung to her fiercely. So fiercely, in fact, that she was the most important thing to me. Her emotions were my emotions. Her suffering was my suffering. Her side of the arguments was my side. She could absolve me of my sins or shatter my soul with just a few words. On the flip side of my mother was my dad. Within our household, anger was king and he bore my dad's name. He was quick to attack any vulnerability and any mistakes made were held against me for years to come. Fear coursed through my veins so often that I wasn't sure how to survive without that hit of adrenaline. I was addicted to the internal drugstore and whenever I needed more, I was never disappointed as a new crisis was always waiting just around the corner. This was often accompanied by abandonment in one form or another. 
As I grew into a teenager, the world still felt unsteady beneath my feet. At 14, I learned to cope secretly through self-harm. Dopamine was my new high, giving me a fix on my own demand. When I hurt myself, I felt like I had control over my body, even though I had no control over my life. With my inward pain made physical, I could prove my angry dad's critical voice wrong, at least in my head. I also started ditching class and smoking with my friends, making careless mistakes while trying to find some sort of path separate from my parents, some place where I could at least hold on to the illusion of control. Then my sister set our house on fire. Most of my family members, including myself, still inside. It isn't like the fires you can watch in the movies. The darkness of smoke masks any chance of seeing the flames. I could still feel them though. I could feel the heat burning away the illusions I had of normal and melting the denial that sat within the very fabric of my false self. My life wasn't normal. My family wasn't normal. All the people made it out of that fire, but the items and some pets were lost forever. I would later ask my sister why she did it. I still haven't gotten an answer, though I'm not sure if I need one anymore. Court dates ensued. I became accustomed to showing up and supporting my family. I had an outfit I always wore and I kept it nice. Everyone but me faced some sort of criminal charges as the curtains began to fall, smashing normal into a million pieces. It was also in my teenage years that I met a boy. He was completely different than my dad and the anger I experienced at home. He was stable, healthy. Before that, I had avoided any relationships, afraid of repeating the cycle of my parents. With him, it was different. I fell for him and I fell for him hard. He was my first chance at a better existence. I took that chance and built a life with him. Despite my mistakes, I graduated high school and went on to earn a college degree. I bought a house, giving myself my one and only long-term home. I married that boy, now a man, and had two amazing sons with him. Boys who are as creative and adventurous as I used to be. I tried my best to protect their innocence, telling myself I would never be my parents. I would never make those same mistakes. I wanted different for them. And in some ways it was, but it wasn't in others. I didn't know. I couldn't see the unconscious bundle being passed on. My adult life appeared perfect and I had worked hard for that stability. Then it happened. 
my childhood life smashed into my adult one, wreaking havoc and destroying the peace I had fought so hard for. My parents were separating again. Fights ensued. And even though I was an adult, I found myself yanked between them, spiraling back into the pit of chaos I had tried so hard to claw myself free from. This was wrong, I thought, as I felt emotionally overwhelmed. This is wrong. A friend, one of those I had ditched class and smoked cigarettes with, came back into my life. She was different than before. The slight shimmer of her soul, now a blinding light for all to see. As I sat in her car, complaining about the frustration of my family of origin, she listened. Never once did she question me or give me unwanted advice or laugh at my brokenness. Instead, she told me her own story and a path and about a path toward recovery. She told me about ACA. My first ACA meeting was an awkward awakening. Though I sat on a stationary couch, I felt as if I were on a roller coaster. Waves of emotion slammed into me as I read the laundry list traits and saw myself crouched over and crying from behind the words. Tears I had always hidden poured from my eyes and dripped down my cheeks. I shared pushing audible sound through pursed lips. It was wild, but freeing all at the same time. As I listened to other stories and the ACA promises, a small voice hidden deep inside for so many years whispered to me, welcome home. I have a reading from Strengthening My Recovery. This will be page 176, Uh, Newcomers. There is great joy awaiting you to watch a frightened or foggy newcomer attend his or her first meeting and watch that person open up. Big Red Book, page 293. When we arrived at our first ACA meeting, We weren't sure what to expect. Very nervously, we walked in and found a place to sit anyway. Some of what they read made no sense. Our minds went in and out of focus. Laundry list got our attention and people's shares brought up a bundle of feelings. There were rules about sharing and we were pretty nervous to make a mistake. Some of us didn't share. Silence felt safe and familiar. Some of us did share, either simply stating facts or like a gushing faucet unable to turn off. Timidly, we wondered, could this be our answer? We attended more meetings. We got to know a few faces and we learned their stories. We opened up slowly now and then. We chatted with members after the meeting or in between meetings by phone. Before we knew it, these people felt like family. We joined together and supported each other 
as we all recovered from our childhood effects. When newcomers walk in, perhaps looking dazed and afraid, we smile and welcome them while remembering we were once in their shoes. On this day, I will remember how I felt when I started ACA. I admire my courage and dedication, just as I do for everyone who walks in the door of my meeting. In the beginning, I couldn't believe it. How could someone so broken, so fractured, belong anywhere? I had friends, people I cared for, and a family of my own. Still, when standing in a room full of people, I had never felt like I belonged. This was different. This was new. I remember someone's share from early in my recovery, not specifics or anything, but they mentioned having a recovery family. I didn't believe them. Family was a scary word after all. How could I have something like that in my life? How could anyone accept me? Not my mask or the perfect person I pretended to be, but my true self, brokenness and all. Over time, however, everything changed. Everything. At first, I just kept coming back. That spot on the couch was suddenly a central point in my life and I couldn't imagine me without it. Then I found a sponsor, an incredible woman who was open and honest about her own life, mistakes and all. She gifted me so much. The beautiful recovery that had freely been passed down to her was slowly flowing into me. We started the Yellow Workbook, the 12 Steps of Adult Children, as a small group. And ACA gave me my second gift of many, a God. Before that, I didn't have a higher power. The only God I knew was my dad's God. One he would demand was on his side and always right. The one he told, I was told to fear above everything else. In ACA, I learned that I could have my own relationship with a higher power of my own choosing. I felt the embrace of a loving God, the ultimate loving parent. With this higher power, I was able to take the weight off my shoulders. Weight I learned wasn't mine to carry, at least not alone. I stared up at the massive mountain of the ACA steps I quivered and questioned whether or not I could do it. I put my faith in something bigger than myself and the ones who had come before me. I linked arms with my fellow sister travelers and took a step. It was shaky and imperfect, but I did it. And then I took another. Soon, I faced my first real challenge, letting go of control. The very illusion I had convinced myself was so important. Everything within myself cried 
as I realized I would have to release what had helped me survive. The one thing I thought I needed so I wouldn't become my parents. I feared that if I let go, I would slip into chaos, that the mountain would open up and swallow me whole. I gripped hold of faith and my recovery sisters instead, trusting them when they told me that it was going to be okay. I had honesty, willingness, and an open mind. I let go, and instead of watching the world crash in around me, a weightlessness overtook me. No longer trapped by the illusion, I found choice. I found serenity in accepting the things and people I could not change. I still slip. I still feel the desire to control others or the world around me, and that's okay. I'm still a work in progress. I have another reading from the Strengthening My Recovery book. This one is page 40, Letting Go. While growing up, we may have felt controlled by our parents and the palpable dysfunction that surrounded us. As a result, in adulthood, we found ways to take control whether we did it directly or passively through covert manipulation. Being in control made us think we could determine our own destinies. But trying to control people in situations is exhausting work. If we are truly honest with ourselves, we realize that the control we think we have is an illusion. Many of us learned this the hard way as things began falling apart around us. By working the 12 steps, with the help of a higher power and our fellow travelers, we come to believe that our focus on gaining and manipulating control leaves little room for the healthy things in our lives, like positive self-esteem, balanced relationships, spontaneity, and a world full of possibilities. But we also learn that letting go of control happens in stages. After all, we are trying to change an ingrained behavior that took a long time to perfect. The key is to be gentle with ourselves. I continued climbing the mountain, one moment at a time. I came to see more each day, constantly growing on my spiritual journey. My codependence with my mother came to the forefront of my work pretty early on. I even invited my mom to some ACA meetings, convinced that she needed to do this as well. I was so intertwined with her that I didn't even know my own thoughts or emotions. I realized that I would have to set boundaries in order to establish some healthy space and find myself. I was yearning to become my true self instead of an extension of my mom's expectations. When it came to the more toxic members of my family, mainly my sister, who was drowning in her own disease, I learned to detach with love instead of vengeance. I gave them all to my loving higher power, trusting in their journeys as well as my own. I started working heavily on finding myself. 
I dived past the mire and illusions of my own making. I was afraid of finding myself at first. Who was I? Without the chaos and my family role as a hero and my mom's savior, I wasn't sure. Would I even like myself? I couldn't answer that question either. But I did know one thing. I had an inner child and she was mourning. Mourning the loss of a normal family. Mourning for what could have been. I held her gently like I would my own children. I let her cry and grieve, her tears dripping from my own eyes. She was shattered. And for the first time, instead of cruel words of not being good enough, I offered her love. Little bit by little bit, the tape in my head of my dad's cutting words got quieter. The internal wounds that had continued to bleed endlessly slowed. The desire to hurt myself, to show the voice that it was wrong, also slowed. It didn't dis disappear completely, and I'm not sure if it ever will. But as I learned what my inner loving voice could sound like, I started listening to it more. Then I looked at a list of positive traits, and one by one, I circled the ones I thought I had. I am kind, compassionate, loving, creative, intelligent, and talented. I am also the daughter of a loving higher power. From there, I looked not with a critical eye, but with the grace and forgiveness for myself. I have faults and defects of character. My perfectionism, born of the pressures placed heavily on me, was crippling. This trait had done its job, and I thanked it. I thanked all my survival traits because they did serve their purpose and kept me alive. Now, I wanted to thrive. I wanted to grow beyond the white knuckling existence I had known and step into the light. As I learned more and more about myself, something incredible and terrifying happened. I started feeling my feelings. It was slow at first, a gentle trickle that meandered down the valley. The soft whisper of a feeling that I couldn't quite recognize. Then it was a stream flowing so quickly I feared it might sweep me away and drag me back to the bottom of the mountain. I faced the dark night of the soul, one of many, boundless tears blurring my vision as I cried to my sponsor over the phone. She helped me realize that walking through my emotions, however painful, instead of numbing them, was the healthy thing to do. I learned what my emotions were, giving them names. The darkness didn't last forever. For the first time in my life, my vulnerability wasn't attacked. In ACA, I've found a safe place to feel. This reading is from the Big Red Book, Adult Children of Alcoholics. And this is page 185. 
Most adult children are terrified of feelings and believe they cannot withstand them. In ACA, we must, must remember that we are not alone. Recovery is different than when we were children and had to face the feelings of isolation and despair alone. When feelings arise in ACA, we learn to sit with them without acting out. We hug a pillow, lie on the floor and breathe deeply. Take a walk or simply sit and hang on. Our feelings will not kill us. We can name our feelings and understand them. This is an ACA promise. We learn that we can pick up the phone and call someone to listen to us. Feelings pass. We can survive our feelings. Many adult children have frozen feelings in addition to being confused about feelings. Our feelings are like a great glacier, which appears stationary, but which moves with great force and sureness. Hidden within the glacier are huge boulders that scrape the earth, leaving deep scars and ruts. Occasionally, one of these huge rocks works its way up, piercing the icy surface of the glacier. Release occurs. Addictiveness and unhealthy dependence are often attempts to ignore a frozen mass inside. ACA step work helps locate trapped feelings and melt the glacier of our soul. At some feelings we shiver, but there is release that brings healing. By claiming our feelings, we stepped out of the, step out of the shadowy chill of a glacier and into sunlight. We feel the warmth of acceptance in ACA. We are finally home. Emotions in hand, I finished the steps, though I continue my spiritual journey. I'm not perfect, far from it, in fact, but I've made progress. I'm growing into myself. The process is messy and will never be finished, but I'm awake now. I trust, I talk, and I feel. I can see the ACA promises coming true for me too, each in different ways and at different levels, but that's okay. I'm back in school, pursuing a new degree in creative writing, something that I love and am passionate about. The first thing I've done for myself in a long time. My relationship with my husband has grown. His unwavering support has given us a closeness I never knew before. I've become more of a loving parent, taking the opportunity to nurture my inner child as I raise my own intelligent, creative, adventurous, and loving little boys. I volunteer in my community, knowing that an awakened soul is an asset to society. Keeping my emotional boundaries in place has proven difficult at times, and I'm still working on forgiving my family of origin, as well as making amends with them. When chaos hits, like it has when I watch my sister passing the bundle down to my nephew, I still want to slip back into my old role. I want to save the day, and I've been reminded to step back and gain a perspective. There's a positive side to my traits, and I can still use them for good. Like I said, never perfect and never done. This is real. It's live and it's raw. I am a warrior or maybe a plumber, brandishing my hard hat of boundaries in my toolbox of ACA. This is my story, my experience, 
strength, and hope. I can't begin to describe how thankful I am to be a member of ACA. Here, I found myself, my feelings, and my higher power. Here, I was welcomed. ACA filled my brokenness, the cracks in my soul with beautiful light. Here, I am home. Thank you.